Church, today we'll be reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verses 20 through 27. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verses 20 through 27. When you have it, please say, Amen. And it reads, Then the multitude came together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him. But they said, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons he cast out demons. So he called them to himself and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man, and then he will plunder his house. May God bless the readers, hearers, and doers of his holy and divine word. Amen. Remain standing. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would speak in and through me, use my lips, my mind, and my heart. Uh, Lord, I just pray that that the Holy Ghost would just come and descend on us in a fresh way. Give us revelation knowledge today. Not just for knowledge's sake, that this revelational knowledge, Lord, Lord, will... um, spring up into everlasting life will bring forth fruit father god that will bring you pleasure and great joy god we thank you for the unity of the spirit and god i thank you for everyone that is here this morning every person that is here because father they love you and lord they are seeking you with all of their heart their souls and their minds and so lord our hearts our minds are open today holy spirit will you please pour into us exactly what are you what you want us to know and then give us the power and the grace to do what we need to do for your glory we ask these things in jesus name amen Amen. you may be seated in the lord's presence we are beginning a brand new series and the title of the series is forward um sort of like forward march uh church forward and so uh it got a little bit of a grin back there but Um, I think this message is going to help us in very, very significant ways. Um, And when we talk about um, this subject title, which is the blessing of togetherness, is really having a lot to do with uh, unity. And I want to lay a couple of foundational things for us this morning that will help us. And I really pray that you would pray. And before we all like to sometimes we'll listen to a message and we kind of like the point and say, well, that's that person, that's that person. I want all of us to take a look at ourselves and I want us to ask the Lord. I really want you to search your heart and really try to hear what God is saying to us um, as a people. And so as we talk about uh, unity and this whole series really is designed uh, to help us to focus on the things that will promote health and growth in the body. I mean, you know that anything that is healthy, it grows. And if it's, if it's healthy, 
it grows. And so what we need to always be cognizant of is that is there's, if there's any sickness in the body, if there's any uh, cancer in the body, is there anything there that is hindering our ability to be able to be all that God wants us to be as a people? And so I will, there will be some universal references to unity in this message, but primarily I want to talk to you. I want to talk to Foundation Church. And so um, and I really want to talk to you because I believe that we must do everything that we can in order to preserve the unity of the spirit. Our ability to win souls, our ability to change lives, our ability to make a difference really depend on us being unified in spirit. Now, when, I, when, I, when you hear me talk about unity, it's not a kind of unity whereby we we look like we're unified in terms of how we look physically, naturally. When we think about unity, I'm talking about unity of spirit, amen? You can be with, or you can be in an environment with people, but it doesn't mean you're in unity, amen? Uh, husband and wife, you can be in the same house, but it doesn't mean that you're in unity. Church, you can be in the same church. You can come here physically. It does not mean that we're in unity or in oneness with one another. And so we really need to tackle this thing. What is true unity? What, and what is, what is it all about? Because if we can grasp what it means to be unified in the spirit, then we position ourselves for blessing. We position ourselves to be able to achieve what it is that God wants us to achieve as a people. I think about the 12 apostles. And, you know, they had a lot of issues. How do you know the apostles had issues? Uh, and Jesus worked with them. But, you know, one of the things that made them so successful in their efforts is that even though they had struggles and even though they had difficulty, even though they had trials, they were unified. They had, uh, they had things coming against them. They had people coming against them. It was like the whole world was against them. But because they purpose in their minds to follow and do the work that Jesus left them to do, they stayed the course. And they were able to turn the world upside down because they were a people unified. They were a people that were unified. They weren't pretenders. How many know that Christians can be good pretenders? And so today I want to ask you to take off the mask today. We want to be real. How many know that? God knows who we are. The Bible says that God does not judge as we judge, but God looks on the heart. And if we're not unified in heart, how many know God knows it? And I think every ministry that I've ever been a part of or every ministry that I've seen on the outside that is flourishing, one of the things I've always discovered is it is a people that is unified. Unity is, you must understand, is critical to the growth of any people. Unity is critical if you're going to be able to do anything successful in life. You're going to have a great marriage. You're going to have a great business. If we're going to have a great church, I mean, no, we must be unified. You, you must be working toward unity. It is absolutely critical. And so I want you to listen up this morning. and I want you to hear because understand something that the Bible said that Satan goes to kill, steal, and destroy. How many know that's what he does? 
He's in the business of wrecking your family. He's in the business of destroying your relationship with your children. He's in the business of making your life miserable. He's in the business of making you sick. He's in the business of discouraging you in every way that he can. He is working in your life. Trust me. He is working to try to usurp everything that God wants to do. And, you know, there's a saying that the strong survive. I want to say that those who are walking in the spirit, they're going to be the ones that survive this time that we're living in. So we must be strong in spirit. The Bible says that Satan, he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, I want you to understand that because what he looks for is the dissatisfied. He looks for the person that's wounded. He looks for the person that's vulnerable. I mean, and when the enemy sees vulnerability, when he sees that somebody is vulnerable, when he sees that somebody is wounded, that's when he attacks. And the only answer for a Christian is that you've got to be strong in spirit and you must walk with God and be discerning enough to understand what the enemy is trying to do in your life. One of the worst things, uh, places that we could possibly be in is being in a place where things are happening and, and, and we can't figure out what's going on. How do you know what I'm talking about? Wanted, I mean, how do you know, but the Bible, God wants us to know the truth, amen? The Bible says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. God wants to pour into us. And God is a God of truth. And, and, and let me tell you something. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's all there. It's there. But we got to seek God, and we got to seek God the way that God wants us to do it. We have to promote the kind of atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can come in and do what he wants to do. Amen? So let's kind of dig into this this morning. i got a couple of things that, that I want to do uh, as it relates to this message. I don't think I'll be too long today. I always say that, but I, I don't think I'll be too long today. Um, but there are three things, three areas I want to focus on today. Uh, the first one is the call to unity. For those who are taking notes, you can write this down. The call to unity, the barriers to unity, number two, and number three, the blessing of unity. So let's do that again. The three areas, the first is the call of unity, or call to unity. Number two, the barriers to unity. And number three, um, the blessing of unity. Now, as we look at Mark chapter number three, actually what I want you to do, yes, Mark chapter three, and I want you to look at verse number 20 there for a moment. I think I'm still there. Hallelujah. Actually, I want you to move up uh, to verse number 23. Now, understand the context of this verse. Here, Jesus just did a miracle. And the disciples are accusing Jesus of casting out Satan because he is being used by Satan. And which is a real dumb, uh, dumb statement. And Jesus kind of exposed that statement. And he says in verse 23, he, he called to them himself, and he said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? All right? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. Now, I want you to, I want you to hear that for a moment. He said, now, how can Satan cast out Satan? In other words, Jesus is sort of implying there that that even Satan understand this principle, amen? How many know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, spiritual wickedness, and high places? If you don't know that, you're not walking right, you're not living, you're not breathing. And so even the devil knows that, that in everything that he is doing, he's in an all-out war against the kingdom of God. 
He's in an all-out war against the people of God. He's in an all-out war to take as many people with him to hell as we are trying to get them out and keep them out. And so there, there is conflict, amen? And so the devil knows, and this is what Jesus was saying, how can Satan cast out Satan? Satan is smarter than that. Satan knows that if he's going to be able to achieve what he wants to achieve, he knows that he has to be unified. He knows that he has to, he has to have all the little demons on the same page. Amen? How I many know Satan wants the demons to stay in people? He ain't trying to cast a demon out. He wants to hang in. Amen. He wants to influence people. So Satan knows better now. How many, how, how many of you know that we ought to be, we ought to know better too? We ought to know that if we're going to be able to achieve what God has called us to achieve, how many know that we all need to be in unity and purpose and mind and in spirit and what God has called us to do as a body and as a people that belongs to the kingdom of God. And so look at this verse 24. Now I want you to stay with me because I'm going somewhere. I'm building someplace. He says, now if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. I want to say to you that you need to be praying for your country. Amen. I was listening the other day. They said at no time in the history of our nation since the Civil War have our country has been more divided. It's very divided. And the Bible says, and Jesus says, that a kingdom divided against itself, it cannot stand. Why? Be be because they're fighting each other. And anytime they're fighting and they have two different opinions that are trying to coexist, it's not going to work. There needs to be a, a, a sense of unity. That needs to be purpose in any kingdom, any country. But then he takes it a step further. He said, now, if Satan, he, look at it, he said, and if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. A house. I want you to think of that. A house, your home, your job, your church. How many know if that house is divided, it cannot stand? Now, how many know that you can be divided, stay with me, and you can have the appearance like you're doing okay, but you're really not? Because Jesus says that after time, if the house is divided, at some point, it has an end. It's not going to work. It's not going to be fruitful. It's not going to achieve its purpose. So this is a statement that Jesus is making to the church. Any house that's divided cannot stand. And so we need to understand that if we're going to be the people God's called us to be, we must understand that if we're divided, we can't stand. We're not going to be able to do what God has called us to do. And keep in mind what I said when I said, when I'm talking about when I say divided. I'm talking about we're divided in our hearts. I'm talking about when we're not in the, on the same page. I'm not talking about a kind of, well, pastor, well, I'm here. That's not, that's not being in unity, amen? It's not unity being here. Unity, God, see, it's, it's, a, it's a thing of the heart. It's when we're joined together at the heart. And so understanding that to be the reality, now let's look at our three points. The first point I want to look at is the call to unity. The call to unity. Look at John chapter number 17. The Gospel of John chapter 17. Jesus is giving here his high priestly prayer. We're going to start in verse number 20. He's about to leave. And he prays this prayer. This is a profound 
prayer, this whole passage. You never read John chapter 17. It's absolutely incredible because it gives you insight into the heart of God, the heart of Christ, and what he really wants, what he really expects. And how many of you want to know what Jesus wants? How many want to please him? How many, how, many, how many of you really want to know what is at the, the heart of Jesus? Because we, we are his children, amen? And so we want to, we want to please him. How do you say, I want to please him? Now watch what he says here in John chapter number 17, verse 20. He says, I do not pray for these alone. Now he's talking about his disciples. Obviously, this whole prayer has been, you know, about um, his leaving and he's talking about his kingdom. His work being continued when he leaves. And he's saying, I'm not only praying for these alone. In other words, I'm not only just praying for the disciples who would carry on the work, who would be at the forefront of the mission, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that means he's not only praying for the apostles and disciples, but watch this. He's also praying for you and me. This is applicable to you and me. Now watch what Jesus prayed. He says that they all may be what? As you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be what? One in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. So understand what, Jesus, what was on this, the central thing that Jesus was thinking about. He was praying to Father, before I know that the work that they're about to do, the mission that they're about to carry out until I get back, is going to be, the challenge is going to be immense. It's going to be great. We're going to face great opposition. It's going to be difficult. How many know we got some difficult days ahead of us? We do. We have some difficult days ahead of us. I'm talking about we as the church of God, the people of God. We have some difficult days ahead of us. But Jesus was saying something that's very important, that if we, if, the, if, if, if my people are going to be able to carry on my work, they got to be on one accord. They got to be on one accord. They must be unified. He prayed this as he was about to leave. He said, Father, I pray. And, and look at how he prayed. He said, Father, I, I, want, I want their oneness to resemble the relationship that I have with you. He said, as me and the Father are one, Lord, I want them to be the same way. And this oneness that we have together as Christians will be a testimony to the world. Amen? It will be a testimony to the world that when the world see our unity, when the world see our oneness, when the world see our love and our commitment to the purpose and the calling of God that he's called us to as a people and as a church, the Bible says it's a witness. It's a witness to them of our commitment. And he, but look what he says here. He says in verse 23, I in them, stay with me, and you in me, that they may be perfect. In other words, mature in one. How many know that mature Christians always promote unity? I said mature believers. Amen. Immature Christians talk too much. And what do I mean when I say talk too much? They, they say things that tear down instead of building up. Mature, see, we may be perfected in one. When you're a mature believer, you figure out ways 
whereby you can be a peacemaker. Amen? For the Bible says, blessed are the what? Peacemakers. These are the children of God. And so understanding that we're all on the same page, understanding that we're all trying to go to the same place, understanding that we're all trying to please the same Lord, how many know Then we must operate with a spirit of unity and we must promote it in the body? That means that my conversation and everything that I do and say is for the purpose of promoting what? Oneness. Oneness. Mature believers promote oneness. It's the immature believers who cannot discern that say things and do things that undermine what God want to do in the life of the church. And so this is very important. So I wanted to lay that. And so, so understand that there's a call to unity, and that call to unity is done by Christ himself. He prayed this. This is not Pastor Gary's, this is not my message this morning. It's his message. He prayed that we will be one. And as a church, we need to function the way that he wants us to function. So that's the call to unity. Number two, the barriers to unity. All right? The barriers to unity. There are three sub-things underneath the barriers. If you keep in notes, underneath the barriers to unity, there are three things I want to talk about. Number one, unwholesome speaking about and against each other. Number two, dishonoring or disrespecting godly leadership. And number three, uh, not doing your part. These are barriers to unity. So let's take them in order. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. When you get there, say amen. I'm going to dial you up right in a minute. Hallelujah. Unwholesome. So unwholesome speech regarding each other. How many know that there's nothing that is more dangerous. I want you to hear me and hear me well. There's nothing that tears down a church of people more than that tongue. Amen? There have been more people destroyed. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the what? Tongue. Mm, mm, mm. Boy, if we ever can get that revelation. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. You have the capacity to speak life or to speak death. What you declare. What you say out of your mouth means something. But, Pastor, why do you say that? Because Jesus said that every idle word that we speak will be brought into judgment. Every word that we speak, God hears it. God hears those words when we're speaking in, amongst each other. God hears the words when we're at home behind closed doors. How many know God hears it all? And God knows what unity looks like. Amen. And so we want to talk about for a moment what the, the barriers of unity. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. You know I had to go to Corinthians when we talk about this unity because there was a church that was really struggling with that. You know 1 Corinthians chapter 1? Amen. I got to get there. All right. Look at verse number 10. Now listen to what the Apostle Paul is saying to the church. Say so he planted Corinthian church. He says, now I plead with you. Paul is begging. All right. That's what that word means. I plead, I beg you, I plead with you, please, he's saying, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you in the name of Jesus. So Paul is putting the authority of Christ behind what he's about to say. That you all, what? Speak the same thing. Right? Now listen to what he says. He said that we all speak the same thing. Now, does that mean that we're all, every time we, we say, like, like my kids every now and then, we joke around, and my, my son Jeremiah is really good for this. I would say something, and then he would repeat exactly what I said. 
And I said, Jeremiah, what are you doing? He'll say, Jeremiah, what are you doing? You know, and he would kind of talk like that. Uh, Jeremiah, go, uh, take your trash out. Jeremiah, take your trash out. He's kind of trying to play. That's not what the Lord is saying here, not speak the same thing. That, not in that way. But when he says speaking the same thing, that means that, that we're speaking in a way that, that promotes unity. We're speaking in a way whereby we have the same goals, we have the same passions, we're going in the same direction. That we speak in a way that don't tear down, but in a way that builds up. Because the Corinthian church, they had a lot of tearing down. They were really, really good at that. But look at this. Let's keep reading. He says now that you speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. All right? There be no divisions. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. In other words, he's speaking there of oneness. But look what he says in verse 11. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Cleo's household. Everybody say snitch in the house. That there are contentions among you. There were divisions. There were division among them. And, and why was it? Because somebody was probably saying things and doing things that wasn't right. Amen? How many know that we can very easily fall into that where we can say things about people and talk about people and say things that are not necessarily true and we plant seeds and what we, don't, what we fail to realize is that God sees that. You see, God sees every time I open my mouth and I say something, how many know you need to be slow to speak and quick to what? Hear. The Bible says, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to uh, uh, read this, uh, James chapter 2, 6, write it down. The Bible says, and the tongue is a fire. Do you all know what fire does? Fire has the capacity to what? Spread. He says, your tongue is a fire. How many of you say, Pastor, I got in trouble with my tongue. You know what I'm talking about. A world of iniquity. In other words, your tongue could be used for good or for bad. Right? You can say something that can promote good, or you can say something that will go in the other direction. It's a fire. How many know we want the fire of the Holy Spirit? We want that to spread. Amen? That's good. But we don't want unwholesome conversation. We don't want malicious gossips. We don't want that kind of communication because it's not wholesome and it's not healthy and it's destructive to unity. He said, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles, it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. In other words, the Bible says a tongue like this is inspired by hell itself. That's why we need to be very slow to speak and quick to listen. Ephesians 4.29, for those who want to turn there, you can, but I'm just going to go ahead and keep rolling with it. He says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So here's the thing I need to ask myself. That before I get ready to open my mouth and say something, amen? Before I get ready to open my mouth and say something, what I need to do is I need to ask myself, is it going to build up or is it going to tear down? Before I say it. 
In other words, if, and, and it's easy in the church life because how many know that we all, got, we all got complaints about things, right? We all got ways we think things ought to be done. And one of the easiest things in the world to do is, is to uh, 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 say things about somebody else who didn't do something the way you wanted to do it, and it's said in a very negative way or plant seeds. It's so easy to do that. But the Bible says that let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But words that builds up and edify. So if you don't, you can't, if you're, what you're about to say, if it's not going to edify and build nobody up, how many know you need to keep it down? You need to, in other words, you need to keep your mouth shut. Because it threatens unity. It threatens our ability to be able to do what God has called us to do. When we cannot speak well of one another, when we don't speak well of one another, it's a problem. And in an environment, in any environment, it's so easy to slip into a way of being in the name. And we, sometimes we do it even in the name of Jesus for the sake of, well, I mean, I'm just, I just have some concerns. You know, I have some concerns. And it's amazing to me how many people I talk to that always have concerns. But it's funny, I never hear them. They never talk to me about their concerns, but I hear about them through the grapevine, but they never can talk about concerns. You ever know stuff about people, they have issues, they have concerns, but they don't say anything. And then when they do say something, by that time they've blown up and it's gone, it's, it's gone too far. How many know we need to do better than that? We got issues, we got problems. What we need to do is we need to work it out. Amen? Look at the name and say, work it out. We need to, we need to talk to a person. We need to, we need to flesh it out. We need to work it out to make sure that we are speaking well of one another. Second point under this barriers to unity is, I want to talk about, is the disrespect or dishonoring spiritual leaders. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey, it says, obey those who have rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. Uh, let me say this before I kind of talk about this a little bit. Um, I know the temptation is for you to think, oh, well, you know, uh, pastor just wanted to kind of strengthen his hold or try to uh, uh, control, and he wanted to kind of get us into a place where he can kind of control us. Can I just stop you right there and say that that's small thinking? That's not why I'm saying this. One of the things that I've been sort of reluctant to do is talk a whole lot about is spiritual authority. I don't talk a whole lot about it because of the reasons that some people have that, that, that you got some other agenda that is not sincere. But if I don't preach to you and tell you the truth, how many know that it hurts all of us? Now, the Bible says to obey those who have the rule over you. And be submissive. How many know that if you agree with me, that's not submission? If you agree with somebody, that's not submission. That's I agree with you and I'm flowing with you. Submission means that I submit. Even when I don't agree with you, I submit. How many know what I'm talking about? Even if I don't agree, if I don't agree, I do it. If as long as it's not anything that's ungodly, let's, let's, let's set that straight. But submission is not tested when, oh, man, you know, I agree with you. Oh, man, we, we, we get, we, we're good. We're flowing. That's not submission. Submission comes when, when, when there's something that you don't agree with.
but you're asked to do it. That's the difference, a big difference. You see, I don't know of any ministry, I don't know of any, any church that, 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 that have a blessed fellowship um, that they don't respect and honor their leadership. I was, I'll give you an example. I was, uh, I was in um, Texas at a conference once. And you know how a lot of times they'll have these conferences and they'll have multiple churches that are represented at the conferences. So, so the pastors and the leader at that, at that time, I, forget, I think it was Jim Cimbala, he was speaking. He said, hey, he says, um, we just want to kind of name all the churches that are here. He just kind of named some of them in the, in the representative. And so they named the pastors and the church that they, pat, they named the pastor and the church that he pastored. And, and I remember being in Dallas. i never forget this. This was, this was profound. And... Uh, and they named this church. I don't remember the name of the church. They, they named the pastor, and they said the church he pastored. And before they can get the full name of the church out, those people started screaming and yelling. They were like, yeah, you know. And, they were, and their pastor was sitting like right in the middle, and all of them stood up. They stood up, and they all were clapping. And, and, and I remember the first thing I said, I said, man, that's a good church right there. I said, that's a good, I, I could see the enthusiasm and one thing. And it wasn't that they were doing, they just sat there. It was the pastor and his first lady. And they stood up and they clapped. Now, it, it wasn't in a way to put a person on a pedestal. It was to honor the protocol of God. See, here's what I'm trying to say. You may say, well, pastor, why are you bringing this up? Because I love you. And any church, no church will be blessed. No church can function in unity if that church does not respect and honor its leadership. It's done. It can't work. No church. That in fact, you th the churches that I know of and I, that, that I know are doing well, that one of the things that you see is they honor and they respect their leadership. And, when, and then if the people of any church, when the, if the leadership is not respected, there goes that church. You can forget about it. They're existing, but they won't be making a difference. And, and guess what else happens? God, God cannot bless that. He will not bless that because he set order in the house. I don't say that for me. I want you to think beyond me. This is not, I want, I, I, you see me, but please don't see me. Are you hearing me? Don't see me. If you go, if you're part of this church, any church, if you don't respect and honor your leadership, you're not going to experience the blessing of God. That church will not experience the blessing of God. It's just a fact. You see, God has ordained leadership, amen? And God, and you respect and honor leadership not because, uh, you don't do it because of the person per se, you do it because God said it. Do you hear me? And to disobey and dishonor your authority is to disobey or dishonor God. Because God set that authority in place. And then we wonder why sometimes we're not. Let me tell you something. We or any church can't be blessed unless you come to a place where you recognize spiritual leadership and authority in the life of a church. It's critical to unity. So I had to throw that in there. I'll give you a couple other references. Uh, 1 Timothy 5, 17. Don't turn there. Just, just, you can jot it down. He said, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. So that has to, be, that has to do with uh, those who labor in the word, those who are your leaders, that they're to be taken care of. They're to be paid well for their preaching and for their teaching. 
uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13 says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and watch this, and to esteem them very highly in love for the work's sake and be at peace with yourselves. So we're going to be a people of unity. Remember, this, this whole section right here is about barriers to unity. Barriers. So if we're going to be a unified church, we have to respect spiritual authority. Because everybody can't be the leader. Amen? Everybody can't make all the decisions. Amen? Every, every, everybody, listen, God knew what he was doing when he set this up. He didn't say obey your leaders if you agree with them. He didn't say obey your leaders if you like them. He didn't say obey your leaders if they do everything the way you want them to do it. He says obey your leaders. That's what he said. I've never been a part of a church, never, where I didn't respect and honor my pastor and my leaders and his wife. Because if I didn't, I was scared to death. And I say that with all the love that I can muster. The third point under the barriers is not sharing in the work. Have me know that everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a role to play. And I thank God that we got people to share in the work here. Here's another barrier. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 16, if you want to go there, it's, it's, it reads this way. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint, everybody say every joint. Every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every joint does its share. How many know that we need everybody doing their part? See, if our church is going to be unified and if it's going to grow, everybody got to step in. Everybody got to do it. It can't be a situation where, whereby we say, well, you know what, let somebody else do it. You're part of that body. God is looking at you. You are, you, all of us are accountable. Now, there must be balance. Amen? That's balance. You have to have balance in life. But we can't use balance as an excuse not to do what we know we're supposed to do in the body. So the Bible says that the body grows by that which every joint is supplying. So if every joint is supplying, then the church grows. You know, it's amazing to me, but, 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 but over the years, I, it's, I, I've seen people who, it's not the folks that are working, the people that are working in the church, people that are busy about doing the Lord's work, you just don't hear a whole lot from them. It's the folks that's not doing much. They're the ones who sit back and they'll complain. And then I say, yeah, by the way, we need you to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then it's like, well, wait, 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 wait a minute. I can do that. Um, you know, I, that's, I'll have time. Can I say this for those of us who don't have time, who think we don't have time? God created time. And God knows how to organize our time in such a way that we prioritize his kingdom. So we must always make sure that we are priority in our time, in your business, Make sure that you carve out time where you see that God's work is being completed in the earth. That's important. And so we need everybody doing their part, everybody doing their fair share. This is a great time to put a plug in for Mayfest. As you know, this is going to be a huge event. We're expecting a whole lot of people. We've put together tons of flyers, and we're going to need everybody to step in and help. Ask the Lord how you can help and get involved and let's go do something great. If we all work together, if we all work together with the spirit of unity and do your part, and, and listen, do your part, 
Just do your part. That's all we're asking you to do. Do your part. And I believe that God will bless our work. Lastly, number three, we want to look at the blessing of unity. We talked about, number one, the call to unity. Number two, we just dealt with the barriers to unity. And number three, we want to look at the blessing of unity. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. Turn there with me. I'm already there. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. With all lowliness, that means humility, with all gentleness, and with long suffering, that means just putting up with difficulty for a long time. That means that enduring hardship. How many know that, that unity comes at a price? For those of you who don't know, unity is not automatic. We don't just have church and we have unity, amen? You have to work at unity. We have to strive at, we got to put up with each other, amen? We got to forgive each other because we're going to step on each other's toes sometimes. We're going to offend each other sometimes. We're going we're gonna to do some things that, that we're not always going to like. But that's why the Bible says, here, let's keep reading. It says, with all lowliness and gentleness. How many know you got to be humble to know that you're not all of that in a bag of chips? All right? We've got to humble ourselves and realize who we are. And long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. That means, you know what he said, bearing with one another? You know what that means? He's saying, man, hunker down and put up with some stuff. How many know that all of us got some stuff in our backyard and it ain't all clean and good? A dog can poop back there someplace. That's about as nice as I can say it. As a graphic, <laughs> all of us got issues, right? I'm, I'm listen. I'm pastor, and pastor got issues. Well, pastor, you ain't got. Well, sure, pastor wrong too. Pastor ain't perfect either. I'll be the first one to tell you. You don't have to go back and talk about. It. I tell you right up front. I don't know everything. You don't have to go and say nothing. Pastor, I'll tell you right up front of what you're going to do, how you're going to help. Are you going to, are you going to bear with me? Are you going to put up with me? Because I'll put up with you. And I do put up with you. And I'll endure with you. I'll walk with you through the fire. Because I love you. That's what unity does. It stays. It fights. How I many you know love don't quit? It works at it. It figures out a way. It figures out a way to make it. It figures out a way to endure. See, that's what unity, unity is going to come when we bear with one another, when we put up with how hard it is at times. And sometimes it is hard. But how many know we got to always remember that we're on the same team? We're on the same team. I tell my wife that all the time. Anytime we get in a little dispute, I say to her, honey, just remember, we're on the same team. And that seems to always keep me grounded. Because if you're on the other team, that's a problem. But if we're on the same team, we can work through this. We can get through this because, because we're coming from the same place. He says in verse number three, look at this, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. Endeavoring, work at, that means that everything we do, watch this, that we're working toward, how can I make this right? 
How can I bring harmony and peace? What can I do to make sure that we're flowing together in the spirit so that we can facilitate the blessing of God? Everybody look up this way. So we can facilitate the blessing of God. Look what he says. He says, now look at verse number four. He says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord. How many know we serve, we serve the same Lord? I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter. It's the same Jesus, if you love him, I'm telling you, he's, you're accountable to him wherever you go. One Lord, ain't but one. And you better know, you better listen to him. Take it from experience. I know when you don't listen to the Lord, you get in trouble. I've learned that the hard way. I've had some deep regrets because I didn't do what the Lord told me to do. I've suffered. I've learned the hard way because I got a hard head like some of you. Some of you hard-headed in love. And God, but, God, but isn't, it, isn't it good to know that God is gentle with us? That God don't just get rid of us and kick us out when it gets hard? God, when we keep blowing it time and time again, you keep running to God, Lord, forgive me. God ended up there saying, no, I'm done with you. Enough is enough. I ain't going to forgive you no more. Thank God. He's always, whenever we say, Lord, I want to, how many know that if the Lord is that way, we should be that way with each other? That we're always forgiving, we're always loving, we're always striving to keep the unity of the spirit because I cannot have my blessing tainted because of disunity. How many know that, that we want the presence of God? We want, how many want the presence of God? We want God in our midst. So the things I'm sharing with you today, trust me, they're life-changing because they're, they facilitate God coming into our midst. How many of you like to waste time? I didn't think so. I got an amen shouting in the spirit. Even though you didn't say it, I heard that in the spirit. Amen, I know. So we must understand that, that we have to put up with each other. We have to endure in order to walk in love. It's not easy. You got to work toward conflict. Not everybody got your personality, amen? Not everybody's like you. Isn't that good? <laughs> Some people know how to test your love, don't they? God will put people in your life, in your pathway to pick on you. The perfect person, you think, but, and it's amazing because you'll think you're in one place and you realize, man, I ain't where I thought I was. I thought I was here, but boy, I really, God just put the squeeze on me. How I me mean, know, he already know where you're at. But he's he does that not to play with you, but to perfect you. That's how he mature you. So he put people in your life that, that, that test your faith. And you need to look at it as coming from God. This is God. God is working in me. And they made me do this. They didn't make you do nothing. It was already there. They just brought it out. And God is looking and saying, you need to straighten that out. I'll tell, tell you a little secret. I first started golfing years ago. Ah, I'm going to be vulnerable. Um, so I'm on the golf course. This is like back in 1996. And, uh, and I'm out there golfing, you know. And how I many you do golf, brother? And so I'm out there golfing. You know, you go to driving range. I can hit the, golf, I can hit the ball straight all day long at the driving range. I mean, you see me hit the ball to drive? I mean, pew. And uh, golf plays tricks with it. It's like, but well, I think it's demons sometimes in the golf clubs. So I'm out there, man, and I'm like, everything I practice, 
I'm hitting it, and all of a sudden I get on the golf course. And it's like I never picked up a club a day in my life. And so I'm on the golf course, and this one day, this, this is, I mean, you know, I've been in the faith like five years, and I was mad, man. I was out there, man. I mean, I just could I mean, it's like, what's, what's wrong? I mean, I thought I was to get some friend. I didn't know what was happening. And before I knew it, I blurted out a curse word. I hadn't cussed in years. I got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. I didn't cuss. So then I started saying, well, I need to stop golfing because golfing, did, it, it wasn't golf, it was, it was something that was still in there. And what I'm trying to say is that you're not where you think you are. None of us are. And that's why we got to be patient with each other. Amen? That's why we got we to gotta endure with each other and understand that not all of us, many of us got, all of us got hang up. This person got this problem. Yeah, everybody got some problems. So what? That's what the church is for. We're all God's people. Let's get used to each other and love each other. Let's stop talking about each other. Let's build each other up. Let's love each other. Let's promote unity in the body. Lastly, look at Psalm 123 and we're done. Psalm 133. I'm sorry, I said 23. Psalm 133. Many of you probably know this psalm by heart by now. Psalm 133. Mm. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Isn't that, isn't that sweet? He says, behold, how good. How I many know it's good to be around the people that are unified? It's good to be around the people that are on one accord, that are in sync with each other. He said, it's good not only for us, but it's good in the eyes of God. God sees that and it makes them smile. How I many know that every people, every church that's divided against themselves, God is heartbroken. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God. It grieves God. It grieves the spirit of God. He said, behold, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the beard running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. He says, this thing is unity. See, when it starts from the top, this thing just kind of flows down. It flows. And everybody gets affected. And everybody, everybody gets the benefit of unity. Everybody feel the presence of God. How many of you want to feel the presence of God? We got to be in unity. God is saying he's not going to, he's, we're not going to feel his presence until we all come into unity in the spirit. He says, in verse 3, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountain of Zion. Watch this. For there the Lord did what? Commanded. He said the Lord commanded the blessing. What did he command the blessing at? Unity. So what that means is that we got to, how many know it's worth striving for? It's worth working toward. Because I know that, 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 that if we're walking like this, then God is going to bless our church. God is going to bless our people. And God has spoke to me some things. And I'll share with you just a little bit. But God spoke to me this, and I'll just, I'll just drop this out there, and you can take it for what it's worth, but I'll just say what he put on my heart as I was praying about this, this thing of, of unity. And, and God said to me, 
um, that that unity, that as it relates to this thing of unity, the reason why that there has been some issues because you haven't been unified in heart and spirit. Not everybody is with us in heart and in spirit. Now, he said this, he gave this to me in a couple of ways. And I'll just be very honest with you. Can I be blunt? Um, he gave this to me in a couple of ways because I was sitting there praying and God was just showing me things. He was showing me things that people have said, even some, some folks that have, that have uh, decided to go separate ways. And sometimes, let me just say this. Um, because I, I say this because I want to encourage you, amen? I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to continue to fight in the work that God has called us to, to fight in. Um, but, but, but God showed me that sometimes God does what he call he prunes some things. And sometimes he prunes and he cuts off because of the fact that they're not in unified with what he wants to do in a people. So God said, we've experienced some of that. And then God said, I want you to tell my people that to get their hearts right. To get their hearts right. God is saying that we're not unified in spirit. We're coming, but we're not, we're not, all of us are not unified in spirit. We're not speaking the same thing. And, and what God is saying, what God was showing me was that this, this puzzle in this picture where, where, where there's this, this pulling from different direction and, and every, everything and everybody trying to pull, everybody got a, a separate agenda. Everybody trying to pull in different, from different things in different directions. And God is saying, it's, it's not going to work. You understand what I'm saying? It's not going to work. It's not going to work till we come into unity of what God is doing here. And God is saying that when we do that, this is what he assured me, that he's saying, he said, I'm going to bless you. And your church, my church, my people will flourish. He said, they're not on one accord. And it's funny how God revealed that to me because he took me back and he showed me some things that it's been somewhat of a perpetual issue. It keeps coming and it keeps going. It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. And the Bible says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he what? Reap. And God does not judge as man sees. God looks on the what? Where is your heart? Where is your heart? What we're going to accomplish together is going to take us coming together in our hearts around the purpose that God has for us as a people. You gotta be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself and where you are. Maybe you said some things, done some things that you're not too proud about. And the Holy Spirit has revealed some things to you. Then what I suggest is you take a moment, you repent. So we're gonna take communion this morning together the reason why this is so critically important is because it really speaks to the success and the forward going of our ministry. The unity must not be compromised, and it has been compromised in some ways. God has shown me that. As difficult as that is for me to say. And so I will tell you that the Holy Spirit is not to be played with. God is very serious. He's holy. He doesn't play games. He doesn't play games. 
Um, he even told me a couple of things I need to get right with me. And I'm hearing and I'm listening. And I want to say this, that I can't be what God want me to be without you. You understand that? I don't mind telling you that I need you. I believe that we can't be what God wants us to be without each other. There's nobody here any greater than the other. Nobody here is any greater than the other. We need each other to accomplish the work that God's called us to do. But when it comes time, we got to get some things right. When God brings a word and, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke to us about it, then we need to address that. We need to figure out how to handle it, what to do with that. And to come on this, um, because what he wants to do, God told me, God put this in my heart. He says, I want, to, I want to bless you, and I want to bless the church. I keep having these visions, I'm telling you, at bed at night, and I keep seeing all these people, and I keep seeing stuff. But then there's always some little hiccup, and God keeps showing me the same thing. I think I told you about a year ago about these dreams. I, anyway, visions that God keeps showing me, and it's, it's always a vision of a bunch of people. And it's always, and it's always we're at the cusp of a breakthrough, and then it's like the rug get pulled from underneath us. And God's saying that we got it, it's issues of the heart. It's not, it's not any person, it's issues of our heart. It's where are we in heart that, that, that God is saying that we must be unified. God said we have too many people with too many different pulls in different directions. Too many different agendas, and it's not going to work. It pulls us apart. It doesn't pull us together. So we need to get on board with what God is saying to us as a people. And in part, our prayer together really is a big part of that. If you can be here for Wednesdays every now and then, come out and pray with us, you can probably get an insight because what God is going to do, he's going to speak to us collectively. God reveals things. I don't always say what he reveals, but God reveals some things. And, and so um, keep your head up. Keep pressing forward in what God has called us to do. And just understand that what God wants to do is position us to be a blessed people. And the only way to be a blessed people is to do it his way. And when we do it his way, we'll know it because we'll see the fruit of our labor. And I'm believing that it's going to come because I believe in you. I believe in the God in you. Every head is by your eyes.